Let's pray together. Father, you are good, and we delight in who you are. God, this morning we come together, and we seek the fullness of joy in your presence. Not a joy that does not compare to other joys, but a joy that is in God. God, we, we crave that joy. So, Lord, we give this morning to you. We give it to you and say, God, give us joy as we study your scripture. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I had a conversation with a gentleman that I've known for, for many years. And uh, his name is Charlie. And we were at basketball practice. And I asked Charlie the question that I've asked many of you. And that is, what gives you joy? So, Charlie, what gives you joy? And Charlie... Pinched his lips tightly together and said, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what gives me joy. I have, I have stopped worrying and stressing about the details. Right, Mary? <laughs> he said, in fact, in traffic, I used to get mad when the light would turn red on the way home. And then the next one would turn red, and I'd just get frustrated. And I would kind of stew internally about that. He said, I've I've stopped worrying about traffic. In fact, in my mind, my, my new perception is maybe God is keeping me from an accident or from something that doesn't need to happen. And I have come to a place to trust God with the details where when things don't go my way, It's okay. I can trust God in that and find my joy not having to stress over the details. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on. Uh, Let me, I may grab until we get it right. Grab one of these other mics. There you go. This will work. All right. That'll be better. We'll use this right now. What brings you joy, Charlie? And that's this. I don't have to stress over the details anymore. And uh, yesterday I had uh, some, uh, or this week, I've had some things not go my way. And I learned from Charlie, you know, details, God has a plan. And every detail that's beyond my comprehension, it's okay. It's okay. And that can lead us to a place of finding joy in times when, when sometimes we just get angry or upset when we have car trouble or we sprain our ankle or we lose the game or we have a, a, a mishap or an injury or a sickness or you lose your voice and you can't talk for two weeks and what have you. God is in control, and we can trust God. And Charlie taught me that this week. Last week, if you were with us, we talked about Christian joy and what is Christian joy. Uh, If you missed last week, I encourage you to go. go, uh, It it was our theme message for the year. And, And we define Christian joy this way. That Christian joy is not a joy that is like worldly joy. 
Worldly joy is okay. In fact, it's, it's good. Oftentimes, but it's not Christian joy. Christian joy is this. Christian joy is, is a, uh, a quality in us. See, if y'all can remember, it's a quality in us. What was the second part, guys? Produced by the Holy Spirit that does what? That delights in God. Good. Christian joy is a quality in us produced by the Holy Spirit that delights in God. That is Christian joy. It is different than a joy that the world gives. And, and let me give you a couple of verses on that. We went through all this last week, but a couple of verses. Nehemiah 8.10, don't be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we looked at how shouting and dancing and leaping and singing for joy. These are things that overflow from within us. That's first. It is a a quality in us. Secondly, produced by the Holy Spirit. We looked at several verses last week. Here's one of them. 1 Thessalonians 1.6. And you became imitators of us and the Lord. For you received the word of the gospel. In much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Meaning it's a joy that is produced by the Spirit of God. We're going to talk about the question at the end I'm going to ask you is this. What do I do if I don't have joy? And we're going to talk about that today. But Christian joy is produced by the Spirit of God in us. All right. And finally, it is that delights in God. And I shared with you this week and last week that Christian joy is not that God did something. But it is in who God is that we get our joy. Because anybody can be happy when when something good happens. Biblical joy is very different. You know, we won our basketball game yesterday and we were all happy and smiling. I mean, it's easy to, to be happy when good things are happening. Christian joy, on the other hand, has a delight even when the thing that happens isn't so good. And the example I, I give you was, well, here's a passage of scripture, but, but we think about Paul when he went to Philippi. He had a conversion right at the beginning. Then he drove out a demon. They beat him with rods because he drove out the wrong demon. If you catch my drift... They, they were profiting off this demon. So they, they beat him up with rods. They throw him in jail. And what does Paul, what do Paul and Silas do at midnight? They sing praise to God. Christian joy. When things are not going your way and you've had a bad day. Christian joy overrides that. Let me give you one other reminder, and I'm going to get to some real practical things about what joy is and and how it works out in our lives, and then what to do if if we don't have joy. I want to remind you of something as First Baptist Church folks. I want to remind you. Our job is not merely to share the gospel message. Now, if you're hearing that, you're going, wait, what? I said merely. Our job is absolutely to share the gospel message. But that's not the only thing that we're to do as a church. Our job is not merely to share the gospel message, but it is to show abundant life and joy to those who don't have it. And and here's the illustration. 
<clears throat> Jesus told us we're the light of the world. Y'all remember that in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5? He said, you are the light of the world. A city on a what? On a hill cannot be hidden. Consider this. If you are the light of the world, there's a lot of darkness in the world. I think we can all agree, right? And there's probably a whole lot more darkness than light in this world. Christian, you are the joy of the Lord in a lantern proclaiming the truth of God, the gospel message of God to pockets of darkness wherever you go. Do it motivated by the power of joy to bring the message of Christ. That that is our job. You are a lantern bringing light to the dark places. We point people to joy that is in Christ. This is the message that God would have us to do. All right. With all that said, let's jump to some practical outplayings and inplayings of what joy is and how it plays out in our lives. We've defined it. Joy is a quality in us produced by the Holy Spirit that delights in God. Not that God, but in God. A couple of things that I found in the scripture that that will help us, I hope, understand how joy has a, a root and a work in our own lives. All right, here we go. First Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18 says this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There is some sort of relationship between rejoicing or having joy, between praying and being thankful. And if you look at those three qualities, they all work together in the Christian life to do what God is trying to do in us and through us to others. What is the relationship then between joy and prayer? I'll, tell, I'll, I'll explain it this way. People who have a disciplined prayer life have Deeper joys than those that do not. I got an amen back there. People who have disciplined prayer lives because you deal with the things that are are stealing your joy. And you cry out to God to help you through those things. And then you come to a settled peace that God is going to do his will and accomplish it. And then you relax and you say, God... God's got it. What is the relationship then between joy and thanksgiving? This one's probably even an easy one. If you are thankful for things in your spirit, you are a happier person. Let me give you an illustration of this. When I was young, um, I asked for a remote control truck. Remote control car. I loved remote control vehicles. And I was young. I wanted one. And I got one. And I played with it on Christmas morning. And I was the happiest kid on Christmas morning. And then my neighbor came over. And he had a remote control truck. But his was four times the size of mine. And he could roll over the top of mine like Bigfoot. My joy diminished in that moment. Because his truck was better than mine. 
And my joy in comparison walked away from thankfulness to covetousness. Man, I wish I had that. Your thankful heart brings you to the place of deeper joy. Instead of being thankful that my truck was much more accurate and fun than his inside, I wanted the bigger truck because I didn't have it. I lost my thankfulness and I lost my joy. All right, let's keep going. Practical pieces of joy. Joy pushes us through. I shared this, with one, this one with you last week, but it's worth sharing again. If you look at Hebrews 12, 2. Hebrews 12, 2 says, uh, talks about the witnesses that came before us. And then he says this, but look to Jesus. We're, we're surrounded by all these witnesses, but look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Look to Jesus, focus on Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Why did Jesus endure the cross? Help me out, church. Joy. The answer is joy. That's what the author of Hebrews tells us. He, en- he endured the cross because of joy that was set before him. Despising its shame. Joy helped him battle despise. We know he battled with it in the garden. Lord, let this cup pass from me. How did he overcome that? Joy in God. And the pleasure of knowing that God's will was going to be done when he endured it. Joy. How do you overcome the things you despise in life? Joy in God. Let's look at another one. Joy is from the presence of God. This song right here. Psalm 1611. Craig's going to pull it up. You make known to me. The path of life in your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Some of you come to church and you worship God. Some of you come and you say, I am here in the presence of God, and I am going to express my love, my devotion to God. And some of you do it just like this. And some of you do it like this. It doesn't matter what it looks like, per se. But when you're in the presence of God, there is a deep joy. Why? Because you know that nothing else matters. In that moment, you're right where you need to be. In the presence of God, fullness of joy. Let's keep going. Joy is about perspective. Now, this is one that I think I have, uh, I have thought through more than any. And this is what Charlie was trying to teach us. Many of you know this verse. It's Romans 8, 28. I just love it. And I think I may have touched on it last week, but not as deeply as I wanted to. Let me read the verse to you. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's important. 
God has predestined you, Christian, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to be like him, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. In other words, so that we look like our brother. Watch this. And those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. He has brought the glory of joy into us. He has shown us now. The Bible says, Tristan, where are you? You're a new creation in Christ since camp and and since the spirit of God moved in you. And and now he's giving you a love for God that you didn't have before. The glory of God is now in you to be shared with those around you. And you do it every week. You serve people every week in this church. That's evidence Uh, I asked Jeff if I could share this. Y'all know Jeff and Amy, uh, our church members. They have a son named Christian. And Christian has, uh, is designed a little bit different than most children are. Uh, his muscle density is less. And uh, physically, he's got some challenges that he's going to face to do some things that most of us do and take for granted that we do. And, and I was talking with Jeff last week about Christian and just kind of how he was doing and and his path and, and all those things. So pray for Jeff and Amy, for Christian. They've got a lot of therapies and all these things to do. But I asked Jeff, I said, Jeff, when you found out and, and they started giving you signs, even when Christian was in Amy's womb, you modeled so well for those around you of how to deal with when things aren't going the way we planned them to go. And Jeff and Amy said, we trust God in this. And he said, you know, there are challenges and sometimes it's hard. But at the end of the day, we, we stand before you and before God knowing God designed a Christian exactly the way he wanted Christian to be. And he's working this situation according to his will. And so we're trusting God and embracing this as opportunities that a lot of families don't even get. But it's hard. And he's sick today, in fact. It's hard at times walking through it, but it's of God. And the perspective that Jeff and Amy have modeled to us as a church is trust God. Trust God. Even when what you think is most important to you doesn't come to pass. And you learn that something is really more important to you than what you thought was most important to you. And, and this is what, what Paul and Silas did in prison. And this is what we face every day. It may not be as, as severe. It may be a little more simple or passing. But our perspective brings us to joy in God. Knowing that his ways are better than our ways. All right, let me keep going. Joy comes. And, and I'll say it like this. Joy is made known in opposition. Most of us are okay. I can tell you uh, that most of us are, are okay in life as long as things are going our way. Right? Things go our way. We can kind of sail through life without losing it. It's when opposition comes that we begin to turn red-faced in anger. 
we begin to speak negatively of, of those around us. When opposition comes our way, that's when trouble comes. Look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they revile you, when they spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Opposition, clear opposition comes to followers of Jesus. And Jesus says, you are blessed when this happens. In fact, he says, rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. (laughs) Rejoice. Leap for joy. In that day. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Find joy. May joy help you overcome the opposition as a Christian that you may face. Some of y'all in this room have faced significant opposition to your faith. And if you haven't, that's, that's nice. And it's, it's easier for sure. But some of you have had to fight and claw your way because of what you believe. Now, I can give you some examples, even in our teenagers, of things they've had to face because they've decided to Become a Christian, be baptized, and faithfully live out what it means to be a Jesus follower. It happens. And it's a very real thing. Rejoice in that day when opposition comes. Leap for joy and keep your mind on this, that your reward is great for all eternity. When you face those trials, it's a test. That's what a trial is. It's a test. So that you will be, so that you can be rewarded for all eternity. And look, this is what it tells us. It, it gives us our allegiance. Are we allegiant to this world around us, the kingdom of the world, or are we allegiant to our King, Jesus Christ the Lord? Because it really tells us who we are, and that's what a test does. You, know, you, you don't go in for a math test to, to have fun. You go into a math test to, to test what you know, your knowledge of, of algebra. The test that God gives us helps us to recognize where do we need to grow? Who are we really? Are we who we think we are? How can we do better? Rejoice in that day, he says. Leap for joy. Your reward is great. And you're not alone. Remember that too. That the scripture says, so their fathers did to the prophets. You're not alone when you face this persecution. Joy is a necessary part of God's process in us. Joy is a part of God's process in us. Watch this in James chapter 1. James says this, count it all what? Help me out. Count it all joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when things are right. No, not quite. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials and of various kinds. You know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, endurance, steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, its mature effect is the Greek here. Let it be part of you 
growing in maturity, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Remember I told you, Christians, you're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's the process. And testing is part of that process. And he tells us, consider it joy. Because the process is happening. So look, Christian. Things are coming your way that are difficult. Count it joy. God is working the process in me to get me where I need to be. Nick Saban retired last week, I think it was. And uh, I heard some quotes from some of his former players, uh, some of them at LSU. They were talking about Nick Saban and uh, some of the things he taught them. And one of the things he taught them was about the process. As you know, he was big about the process. And part of the process for Nick Saban was, he said, and I told my kids this, he said, don't practice until you get it right. Don't practice until you get it right. Practice until you can't get it wrong. Part of the process. What does the Bible tell us? Part of the process are trials to bring us to the next step so that we have steadfastness and character and joy. That's part of this process. And that's Romans 5 that Pastor Stephen read for us earlier. You can pull that up. Uh, Part of this process that God has is that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame. But there is a rejoicing in that. All right. I've got a couple more of these, and then we're going to do what if you don't have joy? Are y'all still with me this morning? Joy is a necessary part of God's process. Joy produces endurance and patience. Um, I'm going to, uh, Colossians, you can make a note of this one if you want to read it. Colossians 1, 9 through 11 is that the endurance brings us joy. I'm going to run through to the next one. Joy is taking refuge in God. I don't know if any of y'all read the Psalms, but Psalms are, are really good for, for Christians to read. One, it, it teaches us the um, emotional side. It, it brings light and dimension to who God is and how we walk through life. You know, narrative tells a story. Narrative parts of the Bible, they tell a story. But when you get to poetry or song or psalms, it, it opens up descriptive nature in which you can relate and connect. Psalm 5 verse 11 says this, let all who, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let all who take refuge in you. The idea is that you are running because there's trouble. You're running to a stronger place. And you can think about in the ancient Hebrew world, uh, what didn't look like our culture. But they had these fortresses. They had strongholds that they would go to when the enemies would attack. And Jerusalem was one of those. It was a a, a city on a hill. And it was a mountain, really. And it was surrounded by a wall and protected them. So in light of that, you think of David and the psalmist writing this. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. You consider you're being you're being chased by a a band of marauders 
who are trying to attack you or take you or your family, and you're running, and you finally make it to the refuge, what do you do? You rejoice. You made it. I'm safe now. They can't get me anymore. And that's the the message of this song. Right? May all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. And spread your protection. Spread your wing over them. That those who love your name may exult in you. Come on now. Does that describe your life, Christian? Do you seek refuge in God? Sometimes humanity really likes to play it safe. So safe that we protect ourselves from ever needing a refuge. God has called us to be a part of his kingdom. And in his kingdom, like, he, like Luke tells us, are going to suffer in some ways. Because we are proclaiming a kingdom that is contrary to this world. And if we never need a refuge, I'm going to argue, we're probably not doing what we need to do for the kingdom of God. Because, because Jesus' kingdom is an active kingdom. We're not just defending walls. Remember, Jesus came, he said he came to bind the strong man, that he might plunder his house. Christian, are you a a plunderer? I saw a video this week of one of the school shootings. They released some video and uh, people were in the school and. And that the shooter was active in the school. And people were complaining because the, the people who were there were just kind of, the, the people who had come to help were just kind of sitting around. They were looking on their phones. And, and the perception was, I don't know what they were doing, what they were commanded to do or ordered to do. I'm not, I'm not criticizing these people. Let me make that very clear. What people were upset about was it looked like they were playing on their phone. My thought was they're just checking to see what they're supposed to do on their phones. My Yes, but people were complaining. They were outraged that people would go to a place where something needed to be done. And people were just sitting around doing nothing. Rightfully so. I don't think that was the case there. But rightfully so. If something needs to be done and there's a desperate need for something and we just sit around. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? Church family, let me remind you, there are people dying every day that will go to an eternal torment in hell because they haven't heard from someone that Jesus Christ saves sinners that repent. And they need to do what Tristan did today, to hear the message, to love it, to respond to it, and give themselves to a new king. There's nothing wrong with safety at all. But there is something wrong with not doing what God has called us to do. All right.
Uh, let me give you a couple of verses here. God's word brings us joy. Romans 7, if you want to write that down, Psalm 1, 2, those who delight in the law of the Lord. When we study God's word, it brings us joy. But I'm going to move on to the next section. Craig, and that is this. What do, what do we do if we don't have joy? What do we do? Many people walk through life <clears throat> believing in, in, a, in God. Some, many people are Christians, devout Christians who love God. But would say, I, I don't know what you mean about having joy, like deep joy. What is that? That's not a part of my daily life. I kind of live on the Eeyore side of life. And every day's the same day, and I don't know what I'm going to do to be happy. Or sometimes circumstances happen, and you just, you just get in a funk. And you don't have the Christian joy that, that you need. What do you do if you don't have joy? Joy, let me tell you, the scripture commands us to rejoice many times. Clay, you taught through Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The scripture commands us to be joyful and to have joy. It is all through the Bible. Please go read it, study it. It's everywhere. But Christian joy is not natural in us. In fact, if we don't Fan the flame, as Paul said. If we don't fan the flame, our joy flame will diminish. And this is why Augustine said this. He said, command what you will, but give what you command. And this is where I think that prayer is tied. So if you don't have joy, my first advice to you is going is to be this. Pray to God sincerely and ask him. Cry out for joy. Oh, God. I am not a joyful person. I do not have my joy in you. Give me joy. And like Augustine said, God commands what he will. But God, give me what you command because I can't do it alone. So if you don't have joy, get on your knees in a disciplined way and cry out to God. God, give me joy. God, give me joy. Fight for it. God, give me joy. Secondly, seek for joy in the right place. There are a lot of, of solutions to find you joy in this world. Many of them are not joy in God. Go get your nails done. Go buy some new clothes. Go catch a fish, what have you. And, and those will give us joy. But that's not the joy that, that a Christian needs as Christian joy. Sometimes we go to the wrong places and we listen to things around us rather than what the Bible says is how to have joy. And we've looked at some of those today. How many of y'all have ever gone to Home Depot to buy watermelon? Anybody? Just Titus. Titus is the only one. You don't go to watermelon, to, to Home Depot to buy a watermelon. Why are we going to the fishing hole to get Christian joy? We find it in God. That's not to say we can't find joy at the fishing hole. Don't get me wrong. 
But the deep Christian joy is, even if I go to the fishing hole and catch the fish, the joy is not in catching the fish. The joy is saying, God, you have been so kind to create this sport that I enjoy, and you've given me a joy in it. Thank you for being a God who gives me joy. You don't thank the fish. You thank God. Go to him. Let me read to you from Psalm 42 and 43. It's, it's a, an extended psalm. That, it's two psalms. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you at turmoil within me? That's somebody who doesn't have their joy, right? And he tells himself, hope in God. He fights for it. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my joy. Send out your light. Send out your truth. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against ungodly people. This guy's in in trouble. He's surrounded by people who are after him. Opposition. And from deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. If you don't have joy, like I encourage you, meditate, read, study Psalm 42, 43. You are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Send out your life. Send out your truth. That's the chorus of the psalm. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God. I want to go to your presence, God. To God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre. I'm going to work this joy out. I'm going to function in it by praising you with the lyre. The musical instrument there. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Verse 5. Why are you at toil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my joy. If you don't have Christian joy, fight for it. Pray about it. Seek it in the right place and put your hope in God. Put your hope in God, as the psalmist says over and over. Let me give you one more. Be willing to make changes. Be willing to make some changes. If you don't have joy in God, then doing what you're doing now is not going to give that to you. Look at Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. What is God's law for us? The scripture tells us it's like a mirror that shows us who we are. And it shows us our deficiencies and allows us to fix ourselves up now because we see in the mirror what we need to be like. And that is conformed to the image of Christ. If you don't have joy, get into the word of God and, and change what is not right in you. Be willing to make those changings. Watch this. Jesus said this. His disciples, he had given them authority to go cast out demons. They came back to him and they were happy. Oh, Jesus, it was so cool. We were able to cast out demons and do this stuff. It was awesome. And Jesus responds to them with a, a, a subtle rebuke. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. 
There's some bumping. Y'all just ignore that. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So what's going on here? What's happening? He says this. You think this is good. Don't get your joy in the, the, the flashy things. Take your joy in the fact that your name is written in the book of life. That your names are in the kingdom of heaven. Take your joy in that God has saved your soul. Not that you can do something neat down here. If you don't have joy today, pray, fight for it, hope in God, be willing to make changes and finally trust in him. Maybe you don't have joy because you're not right with God. And I'll close with this. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, if you have never heard the message, but not only heard it, loved the message. And responded by saying, I'm going to be obedient to the message and I'm going to repent of my sins. And in the way that Tristan did this morning and say, I'm going to publicly proclaim I am a follower of Jesus. You may not be right with God. And I challenge you to examine yourself. Are you willing to take that opposition? Are you willing to to come into Jesus's kingdom and be saved and follow and love him? If you need to do that this morning, I'd love to talk with you after um, and counsel with you any details, share with you more details, answer any questions about how Jesus saves our souls. Christian, this is your, your, your outgoing practical bit is this. Go share the message that Jesus saves sinners that repent. It is the message of joy that the world needs to hear. It is an eternal message of salvation for all eternity. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven and let us go do the work that God has called us to do. To be people of joy in God that share the message of salvation. Jesus saves sinners that repent. Let's pray together. Our Father, we love you. We're grateful for your word. Transform us and give us joy. In Jesus' name we ask.